0: Mood tracking is an important exercise in monitoring treatment progress for behavioral health disorders. This data can help health care providers track a patient's mental status over a period of time, and can be a useful tool in regards to treatment. You are listening to ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Jennifer Caudill, host of Everyday Family Medicine. My guest today, Dr. Adam Kaplan, is the principal psychiatric consultant to the Johns Hopkins Multiple Sclerosis and Transverse Myelitis Centers of Excellence. He is the founder and inventor of Mood 24-7, a mobile app that allows people to record their mood daily and share this data with their healthcare providers to provide better accuracy in reporting mood symptoms. Dr. Kaplan, welcome to ReachMD.
1: Thanks very much, Dr. Cottle. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: You invented this platform, Mood 24-7. Can you talk about it and tell us a little bit about how it works?
1: Yes, and I should give the proper disclosure that yes, it's my baby, so I am not at all objective about it. I will tell you, however, that because it's absolutely free, I, I earn nothing from it. That's the problem, if you invent some technology and you make it sure that it remains free, you can pretty much guarantee you're not gonna make a profit off it. But I felt it was necessary to do that in order to ensure that we could get it out to the people who needed people with depression and their loved ones. So. Yeah, so the invention of it really, you know, you've invented something that is kind of obvious when after you've invented it and you go to tell people about trying to use it, they say, oh, no, that already existed. And they try to persuade you that it must have existed because it's so obvious. And sort of the low-hanging fruit is where I tend to live, which is, gee, this is an obvious thing. we would had a discussion previously about how asking patients to recall their mood from days to weeks retrospectively is ridiculous. So what I've been doing is the next best thing, which is to hand patients out a checklist and say, please, can you just check off what your mood is each day? And we know from studies that have been done that the compliance with that is about 10%. Now, that's not to say that only 10% of people will come in with it filled out, because many patients are sitting in the waiting room and going, I forgot Dr. Kaplan's going to really want to know. So they back check and they go back and they just fill it in. And that's useless information. So I thought, gee, Everybody now. I mean, there are more cell phones in this world. Literally, Time Magazine had an article. There are more cell phones in this world that people have access to, that people have, than people have access to working toilets. So that's just phenomenal. That's the age we live in where there are more cell phones that people have than there are working toilets they have access to. So I just thought, gee, every cell phone will work with an SMS text and In fact, these SMS texts were just supposed to be useful to help the people who were trying to set up these cell phone towers and everything just to check and see that they were working. In fact, the cell phone industry didn't even know it would catch on. That's kind of how hilarious it is. But I just thought, gee, everybody's got these phones. Everybody can text. And I happen to have a teenage daughter, and I think she uses her cell phone as a texting machine. In fact, I think she thinks that the cell phone component of it is just an app on her phone, but one that she doesn't access very often. It's really just a text machine. And I thought, well, gee, if that's working for her, it's probably going to be working for a lot of people. So when you say I invented it, only because no one else had decided to do it, I partnered with Health Central, now Remedy Health, because I'm not a computer engineer and I provided the clinical input and guidance, and Hopkins essentially owns me, so they own the license to this technology. And we built a platform which is online. You go online, you log on, so it's not an app, meaning it will work on any cell phone. doesn't have to be a smartphone. The dumbest of dumb phones can accept SMS texts. And the idea was that I wanted to make sure this is a way to get in touch with everybody. I mean, You know, we have people here in East Baltimore who don't have homes, but they have cell phones and they text them. So we just basically created an online site where you can log on, register yourself on the system, which is you know, HIPAA compliant and security, same security, HTTPS, the S stands for security, the same security you use for your banking and stuff like that online. And once you log online, you select when you'd like your text to come, and the system will send you an SMS text once a day, whatever time you designate, saying, how's your average mood, one low, 10 high for the day. And then patients just have to do view, seven, send, and they're done. And that's why it has a 90% compliance. So when you sort of think about it, at its very basic component, it's just a way of texting information to a patient and getting the information out. Because it's using their own phone, it's the technology they already own, it has ridiculously high compliance. When I say 90%, that's 90% over years, over a year plus. But just to let you know, because we were building it, we build in a couple of other things that make it really much more useful. One is that the patient can share it with their, if they choose to, their healthcare provider. So once they register their healthcare provider online, their healthcare provider could just pull up a list of all their patients and that patient will pop up. And then they can go on and see the graph of That patient's mood and they can search it like they search stock results the last day, week, month, year and see what's going on in real time. I mean it's not like they have to wait for something to download on an app and then send it online. This is information that all is being stored online. And then the other thing is after the patient types in a number, their mood, say seven, they can put a space and then they can annotate as much as they want, which means essentially they now have a mobile electronic health record. And if you think about it for just one second, if they can share it with their different healthcare providers, and as it turns out, we built it so the healthcare providers, when they log onto the system, if the patient has given them access, they can go in, the healthcare providers, and put notes into the patient's chart. The nice thing about that is that means that if a single patient has positions at multiple different locations throughout the city, they can share it with just those people they want to have access, and then those clinicians can put notes into that patient's chart and talk to one another about what's going on with the patient. Like, gee, the psychologist will say, I'm really worried because I think that the depression's getting worse. You might think about could you try to do something to improve their antidepressant regimen? And then I can respond, thank you very much for the help and you know, we can have this ongoing conversation where we don't have to pick up the phone and find a time when we both can get in touch. So it's a you know big mouthful, but I just wanted to give a sense of how you can take something very simple and make it actually kind of powerful in what it can do.
0: I'm so glad that you explained exactly how it works and also sort of the crossover, right? So it's, it's not just working for patients. It's not just a tracking system for patients, but there's a way to communicate that information to their physicians. And it seems relatively easy. And that was one of my questions, but I think you've demonstrated that it actually is relatively simple, especially with the compliance rate that you have. It sounds like it's something that people are able to use simply and effectively and it gets the job done. It sounds like you feel like that way as well.
1: Again, what's sort of frightening to me is that now that I've been doing my care this way, it scares me what kind of care I used to provide because now I'll have patients that'll call me up and they'll say, gee, I'm having side effects and this medication isn't working at all. And I'll say, hold on, and I pull up their their chart, and I see that it was working great. It's just maybe a day or two, they've had a blip, but that compared to where they were when I saw them two weeks ago, they're doing immensely better. So I can now make informed decisions. And similarly, when patients come in and they say, oh, I really need that medicine, and we try to taper them off, and they say, I think I need to go back on, I can look with them and show them that it actually made absolutely no difference when we weaned them off that medicine in terms of their mood. And they say, oh, right, okay, good, got it. This other medicine did make a difference when we decreased its dose. That medicine we got rid of didn't do a lick of good for you. So, I mean, I think that having that kind of information is important for clinicians. I also think, by the way, one of the other impact that it has is that it really makes this real for the patient. So, I have patients that say, thank you for, you know, they have this guardian angel effect. They think that because they're getting a text and they know I'm going to review it when they come in. They know I don't review it between meetings because I have 300 people registered, but, and I tell them that, but, They know when they come in, I'm going to review it with them. It kind of feels like, oh, Dr. Kaplan's keeping an eye on me. And then finally, it makes it real because now they have a quantitative way of tracking their illness. So it's more like diabetes and hypertension, like there's a number and giving them that number really makes a difference in how they think about the illness.
0: Right. No, I I can absolutely see that. And this is something I actually plan to start using in my practice. And I know that people who are listening are going to wonder, where do I find Mood 24-7? So before we move on, can you tell people where they can find it?
1: Thank you for allowing me to put this shameless plug in. So it's easy to find it. You just Type in the word and it's all lowercase. Doesn't actually matter what case you use. But if you put www.mood and the numbers two 247- four seven dot com. So M-O-O-D two four seven dot com is all you need. And that will take you to the website. Now, it is I will freely acknowledge that the website at the very front end is not as user friendly as it should be. And this is what happens when you have a free service, which is you can't really expect to be able to raise the kind of money to make it truly user friendly. And we're still trying to work on that part of it. But in any case, when you get there, just realize that you just need to register as a patient. There's a big button that says get started. Or if you're not a patient, if you're a clinician, you just need to go to the button that says healthcare provider. The reason why I'm telling you it's not as user-friendly up front is because a lot of people, we lose a lot of people right at the at the very front. So it says health pros start here. I'm sorry, I just had to pull it up. And so once you go on, the important thing to know is if you register, you can turn it off any time. So there's no commitment. There's no fee. So I think it scares a lot of people off just to get going and sign up for anything because you're like, oh God, what's going to happen if I sign up? Just so that people know you can sign up and never use it. And in fact, it will not be activated. It will not start sending you texts if you're the patient until you get a text sent to your phone that has a passcode in it, and you have to enter that passcode online to verify that you really want this started. So you can just get on, go anywhere you want, do anything you want online and play with it. I would recommend that people go to the testimonial section or the facts and read about it, Um, but you can do any of that, and it's not going to start sending you anything until you activate it. So it's just not as user-friendly on the front end. It's much more user-friendly once you're working.
0: That's great. I'm glad people know about that. We just only have a couple more minutes before we close, but I know you're working on another project called My Counterpain. Can you explain what this is very briefly and just give us a little glimpse of what's to come and and what else is going on in your world?
1: Thrilled to do that, and maybe at some other point we can discuss this in further length because I'm not going to do it any justice. But thank you for helping me to look into the future here. Sure. So essentially, what we've gotten much more interested in of late, or one of the projects, is the fact that it turns out what had been known for a while with Victor Frankl's manned search for meaning, going back to sort of the idea of a meaningful life being important. In the last ten years, medicine researchers have discovered that there was a lot of wisdom to that. And in fact, the belief that your life has a purpose correlates with a dramatic improvement in your health. So you're fifty percent less likely to get Alzheimer's disease if you have biocognitive impairment. You're sixty percent less likely to have a stroke. You are Thirty to forty percent less likely to die from all-cause mortality. So those are huge numbers. So we decided to say, "Gee, there is a, without question, a huge correlation between people having a belief that their life has a purpose and what that does correlate with in their health outcome." But of course, that could just be a correlation. So we thought, "Well, gee, if we're going to study this, we really want to know: Can we, in- first of all, can we increase someone's purpose in life? And it's not so obvious to me if the caller, if the listeners have any." Ideas, please, let me know about how to increase someone 's purpose in life, but what we thought is one thing when people have m s that could increase their purpose in life is making them mentor other people. One purpose is they can take what they 've learned about the illness and man, you know managing and maneuvering through the health insurance and the diagnoses and all of the patient uh, visits and medical visits, et cetera, and uh, and help someone else. So it turned out that this lovely woman, Kate Milliken, happened to come up to me at a conference and she let me know that she was working on this online virtual support group called My Counterpain, M-Y-C-O-U-N-T-E-R-P-A-N-E. And I think if you just type that in, you go to it, which is an online virtual support group for people with MS. And it's kind of got bells and whistles and you can do video testimonials and kind of like Facebook and LinkedIn together for people with MS. And to make a long story short, we started looking at it and it turns out, yes, those people that get involved and stay involved with my counterpain have a dramatic improvement in their purpose in life. So we now know the first step is to show does that, is that possible, second step is to show does purpose in life correlate with health outcome, then the final third step is to show if we randomize people to the positive improvement in their purpose in life with my counter pain and other people just get care as usual, and we see does that impact as their purpose in life score goes up, does their health outcome go up? And if that's the case, It is revolutionary in the sense that right now we have no treatments for Alzheimer's disease. And if we have that data that says, guess what? Enhancing your patient's purpose in life is a better treatment for Alzheimer's than anything we've ever tried, that has profound implications. And it just will change the way we practice medicine, I think.
0: This is very interesting. My counter pain as well as, of course, mood 24-7. And um, I really appreciate you, Dr. Kaplan, for, for joining us today on ReachMD.
1: It is such a pleasure, Dr. Cuddle. Thank you so much for giving time and attention to what often we get left out in the cold here, mental health. So I really appreciate you taking time to bring this to the forefront.
0: No problem. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudill. To download this podcast and others in the series, please visit us at reachmd.com slash everydayfamilymedicine. We encourage you to leave comments and to share this program with your colleagues. Thank you for listening.